0: Hey everyone, Tom here, Alpha Metallica. Thank you so much for joining me. This is a uh, Metallica podcast, as I'm sure you know. We're going from A to Z, A to Z. However, you want to pronounce it, we are going through the entire alphabet of Metallica songs. And today is no different. We're doing the day that never comes. Slightly different, though, just because we recorded that episode, I think, in late July with man Nick. Uh, we'll get to the episode in, in, in a little while. Um, the reason it's kind of, you know, a bit of a disjointed here is because when we did that episode, we also recorded um, Mission to Lars. So it was kind of like that came out of the time. And then obviously, we're going, you know, got to go by the alphabet. It would ruin it to do it out of order. So uh, we've been holding on to this one for a while. And I just want to do a little intro here, just um, reading out a few emails that I've received because that was a long, long time ago, so if I read those emails out on that episode, that would be um, that would be impossible. So, uh, we'll get to the first email. Um, first email's by Yuri. Um, Yuri Startsev. He says, hey Tom, my name's Yuri and I was born and raised in Moscow and I'm currently doing my A-levels in England. I started listening to Metallica mid-2013, so I'm a relatively new fan compared to your other guests, but it had since become the, they have since become the biggest band and musical influence for me ever since. I've had the fortune to have already seen them four times and had the honour to meet the guys in Copenhagen this September. I coincidentally started learning drums around the same time as I got into the band so i was exploring their music more and more i was able to use it to progress in my playing at the time learning how to play more and more of their stuff lars is a real idol for me and his style influenced my own very much thank you for a great podcast i wanted to listen to something based on metallica for a while and was lucky enough to come across your podcast thanks to the great Andre vasilenko yeah i have to say obviously the greatest love to Andre. Andre is the god uh metallica vlogger blogger you know whatever you want to call the guy the content he creates and his musical technique, this is me just going on Andre, <laughs> not Yuri, but um yeah, he is unbelievable. Yuri continues that, um your song analysis really helped me to look at some of their stuff from a different perspective, like All Within My Hands, for example, and of course, appreciate the favourites and classics once again. Really looking forward to you getting deeper into the song list and covering more in the years to come. The interviews with the people related to Metallica are a real joy as well. Thank you so much, Yuri. Yeah, um I do want to get more guests on the show, Metallica related guests. I-, I kind of like went really hard early on getting Fleming and obviously getting Ray as well, which was, you know. Still can't believe that fucking happened. Definitely check those out if you haven't listened to them. Definitely revisit them as well, as I often do it. disbelief. Um, so, yeah, who would I get, I guess? Um, you know, maybe some engineers. I was thinking maybe bands that they've toured with. Uh, you know, maybe some guys from Corrosion of Conformity. I don't know, something like that. Please comment below as well. Who should I get on the show? You know, who can I get of sort of Fleming uh, Ray, stature? Or even, you know, just anyone. Interestingly, tangentially linked to the band. And yeah, thank you, Yuri, as well. Me and Yuri um, then agreed. And we're going to do Here Comes Revenge, actually. So yeah, again, if you want to come on the show, get in touch with me. You know, you don't have to send a, a lovely, fawning email, but it's greatly appreciated. Next email's from Alex Finney. Uh, Definitely huge shout-out to Alex. He's um, been a patron of the show, been a fan of the show, always gets in touch, you know, um, always always very perceptive. And he was talking about um, mine and Sam Wiles' episodes about the music videos, particularly the first one, uh, where we were discussing one, which kind of has the most quotes about it in the book, so it's, you know, it's the most interesting to talk about. And it's specifically Lars's fandom for uh, a Motley Crue video. He says, um, what's up, Tom? The interview disc, which is included in Remaster of Puppet's box set, touches several times on the subject of videos. There is never a rejection of the prospect. In fact, even Cliff says that they would have made one, but it had to be entirely on their terms. Uh, with Lars talking of Motley Crue's video for Home Sweet Home, he's doing it because it's a document of a band and it's a lifestyle at the period in time. Welcome Home Sanitarium was the candidate for the video. Imagine that, a pastiche of one, but with Cliff. Another interesting aspect of the video interviews is Lars's clear vision for the band. He had it planned and they were not going to compromise on anything. It's not a Gene Simmons arrogance. Lars simply lays it down as a matter of fact. And, yeah, I mean, he is the... you know, Him and James are the heart and lungs of this band, you know, and they're the reason why... Um, They're one of the biggest bands of all time one of the best as well, you know I mean Lars is not compromising on a sort of scalier level, but also artistically as well You know, he just continues Um, you look at the hardwired videos even when they're in the studio that guy is just locked into the music You know, he's such a interesting captivating guy and um, I need to listen to these interviews Alex. I can't Yeah, welcome home to Sanitarium, a video. You can see that, right? I mean, you know, it's weird, isn't it? The cliff actually wasn't in any of the videos. I didn't actually consider that part of it, but that's, yeah, that's odd. So, um, thank you, you, Alex. Uh, As always, very interesting. And final email, just before we get into today's episode, um, comes from Fernando. He says, hello, I'm a huge Metallica fan that lives in Brussels, Belgium, and I just discovered your podcast. I really enjoy the way that you discuss the songs using your own opinions rather than conforming to the popular opinion. I've been listening to Metallica for over four years. I discovered them because my dad bought me a Master of Puppets CD for my 14th birthday. Since then, I've been a complete rabid fan, and I recently got to see them live in Antwerp. I've been to well over 40 concerts total. I have to say that by far it was the best concert I've ever been to. It attaches a photo of the concert, which, uh, thank you, Fernando, uh, I thought you might appreciate it. Anyway, I hope that your podcast stays the wonderfully entertaining thing that is. All the best, Fernando. Thank you, Fernando, man. Um, great to see you went to your first concert uh, in Antwerp. That must have been just after me actually. Um, I think roundabout Because um, I think they that's where they went uh, subsequently from the UK dates, but um Yeah, man. It was uh, you know, thanks for the email as well. I appreciate uh, the very kind words. These are all the emails and now join a Slightly more inexperienced I suppose Alpha Metallica host um, Maybe the same level of inexperience. I don't know. Let, let, let's go to Tom now and we'll do Dane that never comes Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host Tom Quee. Thank you so much for joining me. We are coming back with yet another episode here from the uh, Death Magnetic album, one of my favourite albums of Metallica in recent years or altogether really a fantastic piece of work. As ever, I'm being joined by a listener of the show who got in contact with me, got in contact with me through MetallicaPod at gmail.com. Please email me there, um, I'll read them out on the show, and you can also get on the show and come do a song with me. Also, at MetallicaPod, we have the Patreon available as well. You know, Lots of various ways to support the show, please leave a review on iTunes as well, it just help to support us in any way, give us a like, give us a comment. But yeah, we're doing The Day That Never Comes, and it's with my man Nick. Nick, how's it going? It's going good, man. How are you? I'm I'm very well, I'm very well, and... You know, I want to kick off as I always do, man. It's, it's a great way to get to know someone. How, how did you discover this band?
1: Well, I'll try to keep it kind of to the point. Hmm. But uh, I always kind of grew up with metal. My parents were pretty young. And uh, definitely both products of the 80s. So my dad was really into hair metal and stuff. So that's how I got started. And then my mom was actually the one that got me into Metallica. I got an mp3 player for christmas one year and being like 13 years old i didn't know how to run it so she filled it up for me and uh put put a few metallica tracks on there just a few things from the black album and some here and there that she liked and even though i was really interested in music and i had absolutely loved it up to that point hearing those metallic tracks and really hearing them, you know, not just on the radio or something was absolutely a turning point for me, you know? Um, and I guess as a kid in school, I never, when I was growing up, it was kind of in the middle of the big skateboarding trend hmm. and, uh, everybody, you know, hurly shirts and etnies and that hmm. whole thing. And, uh, in our conversations I don't know if it's come up but I actually have cerebral palsy so I can't do that and uh you know so I was always a little bit on the outside upon hearing Metallica like I said I just absolutely fell in love right right away and it became a real part of my identity Mm. you know at that point it was it was something for me to be involved in and hold on to
0: you know definitely man yeah and the, the song we're coming to today, um, The Day That Never Comes, you know, it was the, the sort of the comeback song to a certain extent, wasn't it? It was kind of the lead single off Dev Magnetic after the long break. Like, how do you remember initially coming across it?
1: I picked up the album the day it came out, actually.
0: Mm.
1: Um, but I heard the single, obviously, before the, the local rock stations were all pumping it, you know. It seemed like at least once an hour you'd hear it. I was actually initially a little surprised that after I heard the whole album that that was the single, Mm -hmm. the the lead-off. Not that it's a bad song or anything like that by any means, but given that the record was supposed to sort of be their comeback, you know, return to roots kind of thing, you know, I'm a little more surprised that they didn't lead with all Nightmare
0: Long or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think leading with All Nightmare Long would have been a bit more brazen, really, a bit more successful, because them having Day That Never Comes, like, don't get me wrong, I like this song, but it's in that sort of unforgiven sanitarium mold, kind of like this sort of angsty ballad ending, and, you know, I, I enjoy the track, but I agree. Even something like My Apocalypse, you know what I mean? It's something a bit right. more just... This is what the album is, because because that's what I really like about Death Magnetic. It's kind of transplanting those '80s ideologies successfully into a kind of post say anger you know spectrum. Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. What's what's interesting is you know even like down to sequencing or you know it's it's the fourth track on the album. Hmm. You know, just like Sanitarium was, just like Fade to Black was. Right.
0: The intro you know sort of um on, on guitar it's a very simple sort of twinkly you know melody here and i get a, what i get a lot of in this song more towards the end is you know finn lizzie influence um the use of the the dual guitars here and i i gotta really applaud kirk in these opening kind of melodic movements they're simple but they're they're, they're effective he knows what to do in situations like this
1: right yeah they're they're very tasteful and i actually um i play guitar and I really enjoy the intro because mm. it, it's something that I like to play. I like to use a lot of those octaves, you know, kind of the twinkly melodies, you know, and stuff like that. So I, I immediately gravitated on to the intro right away. Mm. I act, I really like that. And I agree that Kirk's le- leads in, in the intro are very tasteful, mm. you know, and, and it, it just speaks to the idea that, You know, less is more a lot of times.
0: Yeah, and with the main riff as well that James does, that kind of descending thing that, you know, it's quite a simple sort of up-down sort of thing, but it it serves the whole song, you know. It builds the verse around it. I I like the motif.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's sort of a criticism I have of the whole track, but it, it really sticks out to me in the intro, is I'm not a huge fan of the snare in this song. Hmm. Even for a lar- even for Lars Ulrich, the track is a little snare happy. If Great. you know what I mean. Okay. And and it in that intro, it's the snare sort of slaps you in the ear, I feel like. Mm. and kind of distracts you from what's going on. That's sort of a feeling that I have about the whole track in general.
0: I don't know what you feel about the lyrics um, in the sort of main verses. Some of the lyrics are quite like I think they're quite powerful. Some of the lines I think are a little bit faux for me mouth so full of lies always a bit leaden personally
1: Right. Um, the lyric is yeah like you said it's, it's a little uh, transparent at times mm. but it, it works because I think it opens up the song to really um, interesting interpretations. You know, you have the video, for example, for the song, which sort of has, I don't know if you watched it beforehand
0: yeah.
1: or remember it, but it sort of has that war motif mm-hmm. and, you know, things like that. And then in interviews, you've heard mentioned that it's a song that sort of reflects like a father-son relationship. Mm. Or, um, like, I, I read Lars one time commented that it's sort of a song that touches on feelings of, you know, resentment and things like that, and whereas, like, when I heard it, the first thing that I sort of grabbed onto, and what I kind of initially think of right away when I hear it, is sort of that, um, the the song about, like, uh, a poor relationship, you know, some sort of like, domestic issue between a, like, a battered woman type thing, Hmm. you know, Um, and her sort of waiting for the day to escape that situation and things like that, so the lyric works on different levels, which is nice, you know, and, and I think, being that it was the lead single, you know, so that was the general public's first taste of the record, in that way, it That was, I think that was a smart move, Hmm. you know, because you had different people from all sorts of different backgrounds that could grab onto the song in a different way.
0: And for me, I mean, you know, the song does have disputed origins. Um, I understand that. But I think James summed it up best. There's a a quote from him basically saying, uh, the day that never comes starts off as a ballad, then becomes five minutes of insanity. It's kind of like one. And that is what I personally love the most about this song is when it kind of pulls the shackles of, and it just becomes mostly instrumental with those very heavy, like descending twin guitars and just the sort of shifting chord patterns. It's frenetic. I I love it.
1: Absolutely, and that's that's also for me the real shining moment of the song where it, the pedal just hits the floor, you know, mm. um, and it 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 has that real like like you mentioned like when it has the real frenetic climax and then it just sort of ends on that it never comes back around to the to the simpler melody or anything like that and that's a nice touch.
0: Yeah, Kirk solo that, you know, is is about what what what's your feelings on on Kirk as a whole, Nick? Are you, are you like a big fan of this guy or?
1: Well, I I have always been a fan of Kirk, obviously. Mm. Um I think In the last couple albums, I think his playing has suffered. Um, You know, and I I think part of that obviously comes from, you know, being a family man now and, Mm -hmm. you know, Metallica is so much more now than just playing guitar for for him or really any of the members. It's so much more than just their instrument now. Uh, I think one of the things that I miss the most about Kirk when you want to talk about like his playing now or how he is now versus back in the day is his tone has changed so much right. and it's become a lot rounder. And I think you can sort of trace that back to like load and reload when you had Kirk doing more of the rhythm sections and things like that in the studio. So they had to sort of round his tone out so that it fit with James is better. And I think that, that same idea has sort of carried but i really miss that sharp biting tone that kirk's leads had on you know master of
0: puppets and even mm-hmm. the black album mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah they're a little more easy on the ear these times and they kind of center around kind of familiar-esque patterns that you kind of give him as a kind of you know you don't mind because it's kirk sort of thing but yeah it's not like you know electrifying what what is electrifying is those main dual riffs and what i love is a very simple move is they repeat the riff on each e-string so the bottom e-string then the top e-string like it's a very almost playground trick on guitar but it works here quite well
1: you know that's pretty indicative of james's style I, Mm. i think it's i think it's a um a technique that that he's really mastered and i think I don't think you could find a player, you know, that has sort of mastered that idea better over the years. You know, it's James is often regarded as one of the best and sometimes the best rhythm player in metal. And I think, you know, that's just that pattern just shows why, you know, because I always, I always listen to stuff like that. And I know if, myself I can't sing and play at the same time to save my life you know but he's gotta he's gotta sing while he plays it he's gotta keep the the crowd amped up I I really enjoy that you know and that's I think that's my favorite part of the the song actually is right when that heavy riff comes in you know and and it repeats and it's just got that that little bit of a bounce to it but it's still really heavy and it I I feel like it has sort of a foreboding factor it 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 sort of lifts up the flag and lets you know that that frenetic pace is coming. Mm. You know,
0: mm-hmm,
1: there's, mm-hmm. Some, there's some foreshadowing to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, the the open assaults of the E as well, the kind of almost droney at places, and it gives way to this kind of you know far more florid kind of guitar theatrics it's a great display from them really to kind of counteract any sort of critiquers or haters and just to sort of show what they could do and still create quite imaginative so like like whenever I listen to it, it I always get really excited I really like
1: it yeah and I you know when you were talking about like the thin it thin Lizzie influence and mm. you know even later as it as it picks up pace even more you know when the guitar mini section comes in right I what I really like in sort of connecting it to what you just said is that they're not afraid to sort of roll up their sleeves and really let their influences show even though you know some haters you know or um, current metal fans might call that sort of idea outdated you know or or other bands might not want to go there because they think it would be outdated Mm -hmm. and Metallica is not afraid to do it and they execute it perfectly.
0: Yeah, yeah, no and there's lots of good moments in this song, like the, the love is a four letter word section. Like that guitar riff's really good as well, like it's kind of an open seven to ten and then like it's kind of a heavier sort of chomp down as well. And it it just, just James just forever coming up with clever little things to move the song around with.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think I think this song really shows the, their talent as arrangers. Um you know, I, from what I've seen as far as documentaries and things like that, you know, in the little behind-the-scenes videos, Lars is really heavy in the arrangements, and he always has been. And I think this is a good example of how um, how successful Lars really is in that aspect and what he's really able to bring to the band. You know, that's that's one of the things that I always bring up, you know, when you get the the classic, well, Lars is a shitty drummer, right. so on and so forth. A, re- a real general statement would be that there would be no Metallica without Lars, which is absolutely true. But at the same time, I always take that step further, because you got to give them credit. The, those iconic songs and those iconic arrangements, you know that are um on display in this song you know that's that's almost exclusively lars and that's Mm. that's important because that's the difference between you know being the greatest metal band in the world and just being another really awesome metal band is the power in the song and so much of that comes from arrangements
0: certainly yeah no i completely agree like as it is lennon and mccartney it is hetfield and Ulrich, no doubt about it they are yeah. kind of the engine that keeps it going and you know i like just the way james sings with his guitarist where he's like this i swear this i swear like you know stopping and starting and kind of this real this real desperation in this song and it's kind of almost classic rock-esque as well the chorus, is like waiting for the day like it's quite you know it's quite modern i you know it has a certain appeal yeah, absolutely,
1: and I think um, speaking to what what we discussed before, I think it it it's part of the the influence that they wanted to bring on the song to have that sort of classic rock feel, you know, and it, it it obviously does help with the accessibility of the whole thing, and James' delivery is really nice on this song. There's you know he's soft where he needs to be, there's power where he needs to be, and on Death Magnetic as a whole, there's times where the delivery and, and, and the sound of the vocals leaves a little bit to be desired, you know. Mm-hmm. It, at times on the record his vocals are almost too dry. You know, there's there's not enough sort of shining up from a production standpoint. But on this song that dry vocal really works nice and it really pairs well with his delivery.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really does. He does give a, a, a great, a great rendition on this song. And, and the song as a whole, even though it's unique, as we say, on Death Magnetic, stands as a, a great track. And um, they've done it live quite a few times as well on quite a lot of their releases. It's on Guitar Hero World Tour as well. So, you know, it's definitely got a place there. Have you, um, Have you ever seen the band live?
1: I actually just saw them for the first time in August. Um, oh, wow. I was able to see them um, play the first rock show in a brand-new NFL stadium in Minneapolis. Mm. So um, I got to see Hardwired debut live.
0: Nice.
1: So that was a nice little treat.
0: Yeah, that's
1: cool. Um, and, and nowadays, off Death Magnetic, obviously, they Cyanide is really the go-to. But it, it would have been nice to, you know, hear something that hasn't come out in a couple of years, and I would have absolutely been thrilled to hear this track.
0: Hmm, mm, mm. no, For sure, for sure. Um, it's been played 164 times live, so it's been given a a fair outing. Um, from August 22nd, 2008, in Leeds, it was debuted. Last played March 5th, 2017, in Mexico City. So, you know, the song, the song has got its airing there, and like. I think among, amongst fans, fair to say, you know, quite a favorite. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I, I think part of that comes from, um, you know, it, it being the lead single and it was it was the fans' first real taste of this record that I think everybody wanted for so long. Mm. Um, you know, and as everybody talks about and as we've talked about, um Death Magnetic is a real achievement in that way that it that it that it is the comeback album and that it's what everybody was looking for and now that Hardwired is out it's nice to sort of look back and and see the connection between the two and and you know the growth that has taken place you know, between the two albums. So it's, it fits really well in the discography as a whole. You know, I, th- I think an album, when you can take an album in a band's discography and sort of bridge it to the ones around it and, you know, trace, you know, different influences back and forth that r- that's what makes a real successful album. Hmm. And, and death magnetic definitely does that. and, and the day that never comes is, is the memory that everybody attaches to it. So.
0: And, um, any, any parting thoughts on day that never comes?
1: Um, not really. I think I've, I I think I've gotten it all Mm -hmm, out there, man. mm -hmm.
0: No, no. Um, and please, people, comment below um, on the episode. Let us know what you thought of um, our taking it. What's your own take on "Day and Never Comes"? You know, I'm sure a lot of people have got a lot of opinions on this track, of course. Um, in in general, as well, man. Like, what what is your favorite Metallica song? Do you have one?
1: My, I would say my favorite track is "Disposable Heroes."
0: Right. Nice, That's nice, nice. So okay.
1: um, I. It's just classic Metallica has that. That sort of group of of war related songs, you know, uh, for whom the bell tolls and one and mm-hmm. disposable heroes is in that sort of batch, and that song is just an absolute assault. You know, I don't know if I don't know if you've ever tried to play it, mm-hmm. but about halfway through, you know, your arm is numb up to your shoulder. Yeah. It, it's a pretty intense track and i i've always
0: loved it yeah yeah no yeah you're right it is an absolute gauntlet of a song um for sure for sure and in the time zone of sort of podcasting we are just myself and my guest are just about to go and do mission to lars a review of that but that'll actually be out before this comes out as this is quite a way ahead into our alphabet so definitely check that episode out as well but um this has been great talking to you nick great to discuss this song man
1: Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on.